Don Pizzette and the IT Pro TV team had a chance to go up to the first state, Delaware, for the B-Sides Conference. We got some great interviews. We're going to share those with you now on the IT Pro TV podcast, starting right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the IT Pro TV podcast. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, joined, as always, by Mr. Don Pazette. And today we're taking a look back at another trip that Don and the team were able to take recently. Actually went up to Delaware, I think, by by way of Philadelphia, and uh, were able to go to the B-Sides Delaware event, uh, where, again, we were able to interview a lot of great people. I know if you just watched... Uh, some of our previous podcasts, you saw a bunch of interviews from the Wild West Hackenfest in South Dakota, but we've moved on now to the East Coast and, and a whole new group of people. So, Don, how, first of all, how was the trip? Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, you know, we've done so many conferences that were in different time zones where we were on the West Coast or whatever, so it was nice to finally go to a conference on the East Coast, uh, although it was a completely different climate than Florida for this time of year. Uh, but it was a lot of fun to get up there, and, and this conference, and even the Wild West Hackenfest, um, these are a little bit different than some of the other conferences we do that are you know very giant commercial events. Uh, these are a little more friends and family type, you know, smaller community, tight-knit communities of IT and security professionals. Uh, and so this was another example of that where, you know, there, there's some of our friends that are putting on the conference, running the show, which gave us really some some great access to the the people that were speaking, the other things that were going on, and that makes these conferences a lot of fun. So the, the trip as a whole, I think, was a really big success. Yeah. Now, and tell me if, if I'm uh, getting into what you're going to cover in the first interview, because I, I know the first interview was with Josh Marpet from uh, from Red Lion, and he was one of the people actually putting on the show. But can you tell us a little bit about what makes those B sides events different than yeah. other conferences out there? Do you, or do you guys cover that? Oh, no, no, yeah, okay. well, yeah. and yeah, we Josh and I kind of focused on on just what was at the event. But if you never heard of B sides, um, it, it actually there's no formal official b-sides right uh what it is is a open source kind of concept applied to conferences so a group of people put together this this set of instructions on hey if you want to put on a conference here's everything you need to know all the stuff you need to do to coordinate it and put it on and be successful because putting on a conference is a lot of work and creating one from scratch is a nightmare so with b-sides they're basically giving you a template and then you can take whatever your idea happens to be this would happen to be it security but yours could be underwater basket weaving. And so now you've got the framework for putting on the world's greatest underwater basket weaving conference. You'll bring in people from all over the globe. Um, well, if it's underwater, I guess. But, uh, uh, but you know, so this one was IT security. And, uh, and some of our friends that basically wanted to, to put this on, and they've been doing it for years now. I think this was their eighth annual wow. uh, josh says it in the interview yeah. uh, so he, he can correct me but uh uh they've done it a long time and it really uh it turned out well it, it was a great conference they they really know what they're doing and that happens when you have a conference that's had time to to evolve and mature and then this one in particular focused on security correct right. yeah so yeah so well let, let's just uh before we get into all this <laughs> stuff let's just take a look at at the interview um here from josh because uh you know josh is someone uh, i mentioned we've we've had in uh, here before in in the office doing some shows uh, in his capacity with Red Lion, but uh, he's kind of the uh, what did he call himself the senior staff uh, in this case uh, helping put together the conference. So let's take a look at the interview here from Don and Josh at B Sides Delaware. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the final IT Pro TV interview coming at you from B Sides Delaware 2017. I'm Don Pizzette, and you know it just wouldn't 
wouldn't be proper coverage if we didn't get a chance to talk to the man who helped put all this together, Mr. Josh Marpat. Josh, thank you for taking time. I know you've been running around. I, I'd say pulling your hair out, but I think that's already happened. I don't have any left, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, let's just start off really general here. Um, can you introduce yourself to our viewers and talk a little bit about what your role is here at the conference? Oh, sure. So my name is Josh Marpet. Uh, my hacker handle or my Twitter handle is Quadling. And effectively, my role here at the conference is I'm one third of the triumvirate, the three people that run this conference. There's Eric Arnoth, Janice Paulson, and myself. Uh, we're the senior staff members of the, the, the council, if you will, Council of Elders. Is that is that wrong? I don't know. Uh, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> that run the conference and make the decisions. Uh, we've been doing this, this is our eighth year. Uh, this is the first year we're here at Delaware Technical Community College, DTCC. It's been a, a fantastic success. We have uh, a great venue, they've taken really good care of us, and uh, we have a lot of things going on. Uh, has anybody told you about everything we've got going on at the conference? Uh, I know we, we've actually seen some of it. We've only broken the tip of the iceberg, I think. Oh, wow, okay, because I think you did Forensic Village and Lockpick Village. Uh, we also have Spawn Camp. Did you get in there at all? Uh, we didn't get in there because we, we generally don't film like uh, children under 18 or, or whatever, but uh, we have talked about it a good bit because most conferences don't have good stuff for kids to do. You guys, it's a lot different. Well, look, we're at a university. We've always been at a university. We're at Wilmington University, now we're at DTCC. So we're non-alcoholic, we're family friendly, and along with that, we realized, look, if we have kids, we want to train them and grow them up in the same way that we grew up, uh, with, with challenges, with interesting things, with, with all sorts of fun stuff going on. And the only way to do that is to, is to create it. So we created Spawn Camp probably, I think, four or five years ago, and it started really small. Don't get me wrong, it was 10 kids, 20 kids, whatever. Now it's it's... Dear God, there's 50, 60 children in there at, at the high times. We have structured classes, we have activities, we have games, we have tubs and tubs and tubs of board games, card games, snap circuits, uh, penny batteries, fruit clocks, for God's sakes. You know the old clocks where you, you make potatoes and they, they, they power the clock? We have five or ten of those. It's ridiculous. It's a lot of fun. I'm sorry. I, that's one of my favorite parts of this conference is the ability to do this for the kids. Yeah, and you know, it, it's not just about the kids though. We've got all the great stuff for the adults and the, the speaker list, it was really impressive this year. Well, yeah, we had uh, Bruce Potter, we had uh, uh, Jim Troutman is speaking, we've had uh, Matt Clausen, Blue Knight. Matt Clausen is, is the head of network engineering, I, I believe what his official title is, I apologize, I don't know, for charter communications. Uh, Jim Troutman runs most of the ISPs in the upper Northeast. I mean, we've got people that actually take care of security and networking for significant swaths of the entire United States. And they're here talking at my little conference this is awesome yeah and, and to have all this in a you know, in a particular region like like here in Delaware if you're in in driving distance from here you'd be crazy not to be at this conference uh, I know we, we came up from Florida which is a bit far but absolutely worth it because we've, we've had a chance to, to meet in a in a uh, intimate almost family style type environment where everybody's very approachable it's easy to learn and uh, you know you can ask questions if you don't understand something yeah. people will help you it's, it's really impressive and you, you compare it to conferences like Black Hat and DEF CON which you know are, are great in their own right but it's extremely different than the environment you've created here right well like I said it's a family friendly environment it's a place that you want to go and relax and hang out. You want to learn, you want to be there, you want to be with the people. You know, if there's somebody that's a rock star, sit down next to them and have a burger. Relax, chill, enjoy, talk, chat, learn. That's the environment we wanted. If you want to go to Black Hat and see all of the rock stars in one place, great, that's wonderful, pay a few thousand dollars. <laughs> Come here, go for free. 
Yeah, absolutely. It, it has been a, a really impressive conference. And, you know, you mentioned the Delaware Technical Community College, or Deltec, I've been corrected. I uh, keep sorry. saying the long name. Uh, but uh, it is a beautiful campus here. I've been really impressed by that. And uh, and you, we had a chance to interview their vice president of IT and, and a couple of other people, and just you know, super helpful, really passionate, excited to have the conference here. So that, that's been a blast. Uh, now, you've done this for eight years, and I'm sure every year something strange or exciting happens. So uh, what's the, the most exciting thing that's happened so far for this year? Honestly, it's, it's going to sound stupid. I apologize. But when we did the walkthrough, which we've never really done uh, anywhere else, we did a walkthrough and they said, can you come? We want to walk through the rooms. It's our first time. We're a little nervous. I said, sure, no problem. So I show up and I'm figuring there's going to be like the coordinator, their, their liaison officer here. No, there's 20 people here. <laughs> there's 20 people and I'm five minutes late. and I'm like, oh my God, I'm sorry. And they're all like, no, that's okay, fine, don't worry. And we walked around and they were like, okay, do we need a network jack in this room? Do we need this? What do you need here? What need? The support we've gotten from the college, the support we've gotten from all our friends, from all the, the organizations that are here, from all the people that are here, uh, that's what to us is fantastic. And honestly, this year it is it has really come together. Uh, we had some fundraising issues and all of a sudden in the last minutes, we had five different companies call up and go, we got you, no problem. Uh, that's the wonderment of this year. Yeah, and and that, that goes back to the whole family and, and community that it's easy to have people jump in to be able to help. And we have met some really impressive people here. A lot of people were, were great and willing to jump in front of camera. We had a few people that weren't allowed to jump on camera, uh, either because they work with agencies or they have outstanding warrants. And, hey, but, hey, we don't but talk about that. Even in those cases, we had great off-camera conversations and, and learned a lot, and we're hoping we're hoping some of the people that we, we were able to talk with are able to come down to the ITP TV studios and film. But even if that doesn't happen, I do want to thank you because you know it has been so much fun being here and, and talking with people and learning more and and you know we get to push this stuff out on the internet and help increase awareness and and you know just help people get interested and learn more in the cybersecurity world. It's so important these days, right? Yeah, look, if one of the biggest growth sectors in the economy today is cybersecurity and information security and information technology. Uh, yes, service jobs are also on the rise just as fast, but I don't want to be a barista. I'm sorry, no offense to anybody, <laughs> but I want to be in a, in a sector that's on the rise with a high rate of pay, a high rate of job satisfaction. Admittedly, some sort of job burnout, yes, it happens, but th there's amazing good opportunities, amazingly good opportunities in, in this field. And we have the ability to help people make decisions, understand what they want to do, where they want to be, and, and, and do it in a very low cost local environment, and it works. Uh, yeah, this is, this is the place to be, man. It's been awesome. So definitely, hey, thank you again for letting us come and, and do the interviews. I'm sure our viewers appreciate that as well. Uh, before we wrap this interview up, do you have anything else you want to mention to our viewers? Well, I mean, my CEO will probably yell at me if I don't mention Red Lion, which is my company. But uh, honestly, wherever you are, whatever area of the country or, or countries you're in, there's a local event like this near you. Find it, go to it, enjoy it. Uh, learn, uh, go to the Forensic Village, go to different talks. Find out what things you really go, wow, that's cool, I want to learn more. And then learn more, whether it's through IT Pro, whether it's through a book that you get out of the library, whether it's through videos online, which uh, I think you also host. You're hosting our videos from here as well, aren't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, so uh, they're going to be hosting our videos. Uh, YouTube has them, and, and IT Pro will be hosting and archiving them for us. Uh, uh, go learn and, and, and enjoy and, and grow as a person and as a, as a 
a professional, and I, I can't I can't emphasize that enough. I'm sorry. All right, Josh. Well, thanks again, you know, for putting all this on and letting us come out here and interview. It's been just uh, an absolute blast. So, you are so welcome. It's been a great time. Thank you. And you've been running around like crazy, so I was, I was glad we got to rope you in. You guys can't see it, but it's dark outside. It is the end of the day, and we, we managed to grab Josh. Uh, but he's done a, just an amazing job, and his whole team, you know, that we've had a chance to, to interact with. So. All right, well, that is going to wrap up our coverage of V-Sides Delaware 2017. I've enjoyed it. I hope you guys have, too. And, you know, look forward to our coverage of V-Sides Delaware 2018. Absolutely. <laughs> Coming up next. All right, fantastic interview there with Josh Dunn. And, and I know you had a chance to talk with a few of the other people uh, helping put on the show as well. Um, and the next one was Scott, who also uh, works with Josh and somebody we've had in here uh, a lot for different security content. Yeah, you know, Scott and Josh, they work with a company called Redline, and they're helping us build out our, our security track over at ITPO TV. So, you know, just a, a great wealth of talent and, and uh, information. Uh, but the the B-Sides conference, Josh actually puts that on with two other people, and it's their, their project. Uh, but Scott was there helping out. So we got a chance to pull him aside. And, and actually, uh, if, if you watch the interviews, Scott was the very first interview we did of the day. So we were still dialing in lights and cameras. So Scott was actually kind of helping us make sure we were all set up. Um, so... This should, no, uh, no offense to Scott, but this should be the worst interview that we did, <laughs> <laughs> quality-wise, not person-wise. Uh, but, you know, Scott was kind of filling us in on, on what it was like running the conference and the types of people that were there and some other great information. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll put a poll up after this and see <laughs> if everyone agrees. But uh, let's take a look at that uh, interview now with Scott Lyons, uh, who's the CEO of Redline, but really talking about what you can expect to see uh, for the rest of the B-Sides Delaware Conference. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am here with Scott Lyons at B-Sides Delaware. And, uh, you know, I've known Scott a long time, but I know some of you guys out there might not be familiar with him. So, Scott, can you take a moment just to introduce yourself to our viewers? Sure. Uh, I am Scott Lyons. Uh, thank you for watching, by the way. I am the CEO of Redline. You can, re you can see us at redline.io. Uh, my business partner, Josh Marpet, and, and I have been working together now for a little bit over a year. Uh, we do a couple of things with Redline, security consulting, uh, idea incubation, a little bit of odds and ends, but we're doing really well. One of the things that we've really been focusing on as, as of late is besides Delaware. <laughs> yeah, you know, let, let's talk about besides Delaware, right? Sure. Because some people are probably wondering, hey, Don, you, you're from Florida. Delaware is kind of far away. Let's talk about that, though. Like, what, sure. what is what is your involvement with Besides Delaware? Right. So my involvement has been with the sponsors and working with companies that really want to get behind a Besides event. You know, uh, Besides events normally they're across the country. Heck, they're across the globe at this point. I think we have one in Greenland, and I know we're trying to go to do uh, Besides uh, Antarctica. Nice. Right? Um, so, Bring your jacket. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, just like outside right now. Uh, they're all over the place, and really what a B-Sides is about is a small, tight-knit interaction between people that want knowledge, people that want to teach, uh, you know, things like Lockpick Village. Uh, we have uh, Spawn Camp here, which is for kids. Uh, they have Destruction Alley, where we bring in old hardware, and they get to rip them apart you know, with safety goggles, and let's be honest, right? Uh, so it's a really great event, and my involvement, not only working with Josh, who is the owner of B-Sides Delaware, right, is working with sponsors, right? So how can we get companies to come in and do hiring, to be able to do, uh, 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 be able to, to provide lunch, be able to help 
you know, evolve the conference into what it really should be. You know, uh, conferences like this are really niche in that they're small, they're tight knit, and in fact, B-Sides Delaware has been referred to as the OG of B-Sides, right? Uh, because this is the eighth year, so it's been around for a long time. Yeah, and I, I know, like personally, IT Pro TV, we are a sponsor of B-Sides Delaware, and um, you know, this type of conference is so different than the the DEFCONs or uh, you know Black Hats, where you go there and it is a massive conference, There's tens of thousands of people there. It's hard to get that that one-on-one -on -one experience when you're right. in a crowd that size. And you come here, and th there's a lot of people here. Do you know what the attendee number is? Uh, probably about three, four hundred tops. So it, it sounds like a lot of people, but actually you, you can get around really easy. You can get in, you can get some one-on-one -on -one time with people who are doing hands-on uh, lab activities in the, the like capture the flag. Mm -hmm. There's the, the pros versus Joes capture yep. the flag the going on and stuff. CTF. Uh, and that's actually really big in itself. The pros versus Joes CTF is given at multiple conferences. Right? So the guys that run it have a really well-built system to be able to deliver that in any capacity. You know, so it's not just, hey, let's go after a corporate network. It could be, hey, let's stand up a nuclear facility, right? Let's stand up SCADA devices. Heck, let's, let's let the red team and the blue team be able to mess with each other over, over uh, VOIP, right? So we take a whole bunch of red teamers that really know what they're doing and throw them against a whole bunch of blue teamers who don't really necessarily know what they're doing, right? pros versus Joes, and then we flip-flop. So now the red teamers have to defend and the blue teamers get to attack. So it's really, really, really fun. If you get a chance to do it, definitely try it out. Yeah, I know when a lot of people think about conferences, they mm -hmm. think about the, pres the presenters, right? The, mm -hmm. the people who are giving up and giving talks. And there's some great talks here, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But the stuff that you do in the villages, when you get to, to work on something like this, I mean, that is so valuable. And it, it really moves a conference into a whole nother light. Yeah, yeah, it does. You know, the villages really give a lot of flavor and a lot of value add to small conferences like this. Because, hey, you know, who really likes to sit and be lectured to? I mean, when I was going through school, it put me to sleep, you know? <laughs> But interacting with the villages and interacting with the people who are running the villages, you learn a lot, right? So if you don't know anything about lock picking, okay, if you don't know anything about uh, pros versus Joes, any type of CTF style, if you want to bring your kid, you can't drop them off, parents must be with them, okay? If you want to bring your kid and let your kid learn the fundamentals of what we do and what our tradecraft is, this is the perfect place for it. Yeah, and I know some of you out there might be thinking, why, why would I want my kid to learn lock picking? Um, but but the, the, there is a reason, but they also do a lot more. There's a, a, an introduction to Python course going on yeah. a little later. They'll learn how to create a little video game and stuff. So a great way to, uh, I almost want to use the word indoctrinate, but that's not great, quite the right word, but to, to expose them to learning technology, get excited about STEM, which I know is a big problem we have right now. Well, I heard that uh, one, of the, one of the workshops that's being given a little bit later today is on fly fishing. Oh. So uh, we, we hit a whole gambit of, of you know, talks. You know, I, I saw that one on the list. It was uh, cybersecurity from the perspective of a fly fisherman. Yep. And I, it piqued my curiosity. I kind of yeah. want to go listen to it. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's being given by Bruce Potter. Uh, and it's, it, it's, it's a great talk. It really is. I can't, say, I can't say enough good things. If you're not here, you're missing out on something really, really special. Yep. And, you know? and actually, that, that's part of where our sponsorship came in is because we, we sponsored the video recordings of the, the talks, and so those will be made available at a yes, later date. Yes, they will. Yeah, they will. They definitely will. Thank you for bringing that up because, uh, no, I seriously completely forgot that. So, uh, you know, go check out itpro.tv and take a look for 
take a look for videos, go on YouTube, take a look at the B-Sides Delaware stuff. Um, you'll be able to find it. Yeah, and, and the previous years as well. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of good stuff that's out there. Yeah. Now, um, uh, we've been talking about B-Sides. Let's shift a little bit, right? Yeah. Because uh, we, didn't, we didn't meet through B-Sides. We met through other channels. And um, your company, Red Lion, uh, yeah. you know, you, you and Josh, uh, very active in the security community. You guys, I, I call you guys secretly behind your backs. I call you the social butterflies of IT security. Uh, <laughs> you, you guys are, are so ingrained in the security culture that you know so many different people uh, that it becomes hard sometimes to nail down like what exactly does Red Lion do because you guys do so much. So tell us a little bit about your company. So Red Lion, we've been up for a little bit over a year at this point, right? Uh, and much like any small business, we're on the roller coaster, right? We're riding, as Josh and I like to say, we're riding the dragon, right? <laughs> so when you're when you have a small business, you try to have a general focus over what you want to do, and you try to do projects that stick in that business. So more oftentimes than not, you're going to pivot at least a good hundred times within the first year. I know we have, and we've gone from, hey, this is going to work really great to, uh, uh, crap, scrap it, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it is what it is. The main goal is that you're bringing in money, that you're keeping the roof over your head, <laughs> right? So your bills are paid, uh, that your partners are happy and you're making partnerships moving forward. You know, a lot of people sit back and say to us, well, we we don't we don't have the gumption to get up and do our own thing like you guys. We're super envious. And we're like it's not that difficult, but it is that difficult, you know. Starting a business, uh, you know, it, it's 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 not easy. What it really comes down to is how do you make the deals? Who do you know? And when can you hit them in your calendar of events? Yep. And, and let's talk a little more about that because that, that's yeah. really uh, one of the, the more valuable skills that you guys have. Uh, most IT security people or IT people in general are not very social. That you know they don't yeah. get out and, and, and introduce themselves and, and do all this stuff. Uh, you guys do, yeah. and that is actually part of how we're partnering, right? Let's yeah. talk a little bit about how IT Pro TV and Redline are working together because I, I know I throw that a lot of times. I say, oh yeah, IT Pro TV and Redline are working together on a security track, but. That security track is a special thing. You know, let's talk a little bit about it. Oh, it is. It is. It is super special indeed. So we got together and identified uh, fifty. Uh, you're going to have to help me out with the lingo here because sometimes, there's, yeah, there's something. There's sometimes there's like a little bit of translation loss. Uh, <laughs> about fifty or so courses that cover everything in security, right? And what our vision is is to take the heavy hitters from industry that you guys know about and send them down to IT Pro TV so they can record content based on their episode, right? Yep. So really what we want to do is we want to hit the whole gambit from I don't know anything about pen testing to I can break any box just by looking at, right? Yeah, and, and what we did is we recognized like we have a lot of certification training, right? Yeah. But, but that doesn't necessarily translate into something that's practical and tangible that you can use in the real world. Yeah. And we said, wouldn't it be great if we could be tapping into actual security professionals yeah. that are in the field doing this every day to come in and teach you how to really do yeah. something. So not, not memorize a standard, but how to really do something. The problem is we didn't necessarily have all of those contacts. We didn't, didn't know enough people to do that versus Redline who does. Yeah. So working together, right? It's like a chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and to add to that, it's not just IT Pro and Redline though. 
okay? Because we also have Security Weekly as part of this as well. And big shout out to Security Weekly, Paul, uh, Paul, uh, Sam, uh, all the guys working on Security Weekly. Because the people that you see on camera doing uh, uh, episodes for IT Pro that we've sent down there are also going to be talking about those episodes up on Security Weekly. So you're going to see you're going to see us all over the place here very shortly. Yep, and I, I just want to mention, depending on when you watch this, it hasn't launched as of yet. It's actually going to be launching in the next six months, though, yeah. so definitely look forward to that. Uh, it's going to be a lot of great content, and we've got a roadmap that goes out two years, so it's, it's not going to stop. It's going to keep going, and just, you know, it, well, there's no security, limit. Security really changes very, very, very rapidly, mm -hmm. right? And we have to stay on top of it, right? That's why we have conferences like this. That's why we have DEF CON, we have ShmooCon, we have all of the other big conferences where new ideas and new presenters are constantly coming up you know so if you've never presented or you've presented before but you have great content present again yeah you know find find an area that is your niche and speak to it learn it live it and pretty soon you could be on camera too all right well scott i know you're you're on the staff here at b-sides you, yeah. you've been running i've seen you running crazy across the halls all day so uh, i'll let you get back to your work but i sure. do want to thank you for spending time with us to uh, to do the interview sure and uh, you have any parting words for our viewers um not really. Not really. So, not really. No. No, not really. I mean, if you can get to a B-Sides, get to a B-Sides. If you, if you see B-Sides Delaware next year, come out to the event. Don't be shy, okay? If you get tickets to Shmoo, go say hi to someone, you know? Don't, don't just think that because you're at a conference, it's a place where you can just hide in your shell. <laughs> You know, how many times have we seen people do that? Yeah, yeah you, you certainly can do that, but you don't yeah. get the full benefit. That's really the, the whole thing. It's all about community, and the smaller conferences are better for that. You know, it's easy to get overwhelmed when you're at a, a blackout with 50,000 people, yeah. however many they have. Uh, it, it gets overwhelming. All right, well, Scott, thank you for spending time with us. And viewers, thank you guys for watching. Stay tuned because we have more interviews from B-Size Delaware coming up. All right, always great to hear from Josh and Scott, some of our good friends up there, and, and glad you guys were able to connect with them. But uh, now to kind of switch gears a little bit, the the host for the event, this was at the Delaware State Tech, what did you call it? Del Delaware State? Technical Community College. They, they call it Del Tech. Del Tech. Uh, ah, that's close. All yeah. right. Which, I mean, an absolutely beautiful campus. I don't know how old the school is, but, you know, it was, it was beautiful. They had tons of room there, and it's a, it's a technical college. So they've, they've got uh, computer degrees and security degrees and things that are going on there. The students are, are learning. Um, it's a, you know, a community college. They focus on two-year degrees, but a lot of that is practical uh, hacking and uh, just programming, things like that, where they try and get you job ready. So it was neat to get a chance to talk with the, the, the person who's in charge, right, the, the, the vice president of IT. Uh, and, and so he, he talked to us a bit, kind of filled us in on, on the, the programs they have and, and also what it was like putting on a conference like that for the first time. It, the conference has been on a number of times, so this was the first time that it was at Dell Tech. And what's interesting about this one to me is he's also talking not, not just about um, the curriculum and, and what they're doing with students, but also what it's like securing the network for the school, which I imagine, the, you know, schools like this, they don't have huge budgets for, to do these kinds of things, and, and they could be uh, targets for a lot of people. So uh, that, that's got to have its own unique set of challenges. But uh, let's go ahead and jump to that interview now. This is with Dr. Richard Kralovich, uh, we think. And Don says <laughs> he said his name right in the interview, so we'll see if I'm right. Uh, after this interview, uh, we'll get to uh, take a look at that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another IT Pro TV interview here at B-Sides Delaware. I'm Dom Pazet, and you know, this is all made possible by a, a number of different companies and organizations, but one of the most important, I think, 
is probably the Delaware Technical Community College because that is the building that we're standing in. And I had a moment to grab uh, Dr. Kralovich uh, to come and help us uh, just kind of learn a little bit more about what's going on. And uh, you know, before I, I mangle your name anymore or, or screw up the introduction, uh, could you tell our viewers a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm the uh, Vice President of Information and Instructional Technology here at Delaware Technical Community College. Uh, I oversee uh, you know, all aspects of our operation, including information security, instructional design, educational technology, applications, help desk, uh, the whole nine yards. Now, I, I know it's a security conference, yeah. and so uh, obviously we, we want to talk about that and address it, but I definitely want to double back and talk about your role just as, as somebody you know, running the IT infrastructure for an organization like this community college. It, it's, a, it's a big undertaking. But let, let's tackle the security side first. Sure. I know uh, as a college, you guys have recognized how important the cybersecurity field is, yes. and you've got a curriculum available, or probably more than one, right, to, yeah. to be able to address that knowledge. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so we're, we're actually in, the, in a bit of a transition with our curriculum right now which is an exciting uh, prospect for us. We're redesigning our total curriculum based on feedback that we're receiving from businesses and community partners as well as educators uh, so that we can you know, take a deeper dive into things like uh, information security and key programming areas and whatnot. And uh, with our information security concentration, we've uh, we got a team of faculty um, that partner with the folks from Delaware B-Sides to be able to help us zero in on uh, those things that we know that our students going to need. We make sure that uh, really the hallmark of the curriculum is that it's going to be applied, it's going to be hands-on, but we're also going to work with our students so that they're both developed kind of um, a lot of technologists are comfortable with the world that's right in front of them, you know, they're the five feet between them and the screen and the server. But we also want to make sure that uh, the, the technologists we produce are good leaders. They've got great EQ, great IQ, um, great technologists, but great program leaders as well. And you, know, you mentioned that you're currently evolving. One of the comments that we always hear is, boy, IT security changes every single day. And when you're developing a curriculum, that's really challenging because it, if you look at your, your standard science course, yes. they might have years involved in developing simply the book to be used, better yet the course that's being delivered. How, how do you guys keep up with what's all going on in the real world? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tough challenge. And as we know, I mean, I've been in you know, information technology for nearly 20 years, and it seems you know, the last 10 years, things have moved at a rapid pace, but over really the last two or three, it's been, you know, like lightning. It's, uh, it's hard to keep up, and we want to make sure, well, I always tell people that one of the issues with curriculum sometimes is that it's big and it's lumbering. It's hard to change, and in information security uh, and information technology, it's, it's especially hard to keep up. One of the hallmarks of our curriculum is that we're going to have these concentrations. They're bite-sized pieces within the curriculum that we can easily change and stand up. So if today it's Java, if it's tomorrow, if it's something, else we can uh, pop those inner uh, connected components in and out build the curriculum so uh, it better meets the needs of the the evolving needs of the business community you know I, I know from my own personal experience because I have a bachelor's in, in IS that what I learned back then was really general fundamentals a couple of programming languages you know but it wasn't a tangible skill that I could go and apply unless I wanted to be a programmer. Mm -hmm. And while I did benefit from the knowledge that I gained, I don't necessarily directly put it in practice today. Yeah. And the programs today are a lot different, right? We are learning, uh, you know, just as an example, you know, one of these concentrations, we, we're learning a practical skill to go and apply. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we get feedback from our business partners all the time, and we talk with people, you know, like J.P. Morgan and Capital One, and a lot of the banking and uh, fintech industries within uh, the state of Delaware. And they tell us that you know they need our graduates to be able to come in on day one and be able to uh, produce. And if uh, the curriculum is too theoretical in framework, then they're not going to be able to do that out of the gate. So an associate degree curriculum is by nature only two years long. So we've got to make sure 
because of that limited time frame, they're hands-on right out of the gate. And to be honest with you, students, they love that these days. Uh, you know, there was an analogy provided to me not too long ago that I was a, at a conference. And if you, you know, check out the average 10-year-old that's playing uh, a video game, uh, they've got their They've got their Chromebook in front of them, they've got their iPad, they've got their phone, they've got their uh, Xbox that they're communicating with their friends, and they're managing all these multiple streams of information and technology. And uh, if we bring them into our institution and just have them you know, sit in front of a whiteboard, they're not gonna stand for it. So we make sure that we understand the, the wants, the needs of the student, as well as the, you know, the needs of the business to be hands-on. You know, on, on one hand, I always love to hear this, and at the same time, I kind of hate it because I, I think about myself, I, a little selfish, I, I wish we had programs like that when I was in college, and uh, unfortunately, they just didn't back then, but the, the landscape has changed. And uh, you know, speaking of changing landscapes, now, uh, as the, the Vice President of IT, your responsibilities encompass more than just developing a curriculum. You, you actually uh, are the primary decision maker as far as the infrastructure here at the, the college. Yeah. Um, and you, you've been doing it for, uh, you said, uh, 10 years, I think? Yeah, 10 years here at Delaware Tech, yeah. So in 10 years, a lot has changed. And, and you just mentioned how these students, they have cell phones, they have mobile devices, um, Chromebooks, devices yeah. like that. So the, uh, for universities, for colleges, being able to support those students is very different today than it used to be. What, what's that been like? Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost for us, the most important thing is managing cost, right? So to be a, you know, to be a good technology leader, you've got to almost be a pretty good accountant. And that's what we, you know, that's the hallmark of our operation is in higher education, the cost of technology is just skyrocketing. So as an institution, you know, a community college especially, we're, we have limited budgets as well. So what we try to make sure that we do is we focus in on, uh, you know what we need what's primary what's important to students and also sort of address what we can afford and we've gotten pretty good at it we're pretty creative with what we can buy on on the funding that we have and uh, we've been able to stretch that a long way but like you said about our students I mean they all have multiple devices and they all expect to be able to connect immediately and work all the time whether they're here or frankly at Starbucks or somewhere you know in Delaware or outside of Delaware so it's a challenge all the time to be able to keep up with that moving uh, moving target but um, so far, we've been pretty successful. Now, I know that the bring your own device movement, it's got two different kind of sides, right? Some people say it's amazing for organizations like yours where you're yeah. budget conscious. Hey, these people are willing to pay for their own computers. We don't have to provide it. They bring them in. That's great. And then other people say it's a nightmare because now you have all these devices that you don't control and yeah. it, how, how do you protect them? How do you make your network safe? So what, what's that experience been like for you? Yeah, so the, the educational technologist and instructional designer in me loves it. You know, we love the, the ability to let students, you know, bring their own device and interact with our learning management system and our student information systems and uh, publisher supported devices. We love the ability to allow them to learn on their terms as the information technologist in me, you're right, it's an absolute nightmare. How do we manage and maintain it? Um, you know, it's just making sure that we understand what we, you know, what our students are bringing, uh, making sure that we have the proper bandwidth, the proper support, um, making sure that, you know, our, the proper security, you know, safeguards in place, uh, just to sort of make sure that we're meeting their need. And it, again, it's a moving target, so it, you know, if I had a magic bullet today, it would work, but uh, probably, odds are it wouldn't work tomorrow, so, yeah. Well, I know just uh, for running an infrastructure like this, things have changed so much. Ten years ago, if you said, yeah, we don't have a wireless network here, mm -hmm. people wouldn't have really thought twice about yeah. that. I mean, it was, it was starting to gain traction, but it wasn't a big deal. Now, yeah. 
people just assume you're going to have a wireless network and don't necessarily know the challenge of having, how many students are enrolled here? Do you know that? Yeah, so approximately credit-bearing students were about 16,000. But then if you uh, took non-credit students, which is workforce development, people that come in for certifications or different kind of, different, a different sort of degree rather than your traditional associate degree, we're probably up, uh, we're probably at least double that. So, but though, you know, the most, the, by and large, our largest population is our credit-bearing students, which is about 16,000. And that's at four, in, uh, four locations around the state. And, you know, let's assume that even a quarter of them were here at any given time. If there were 2,000 people all jumping on a wireless network, that's a difficult thing to support. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you guys have done a great job. I know it's been one of the most reliable wireless yeah. networks we've used at a conference like this. And there's hundreds of people all standing right here by us. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you've done a good job of staying ahead of that curve. Yeah, I hope your uh, microphone's made of wood. You know, <laughs> it's working right now. I mean, I, listen, we're, we're like any other institution. You know, we, we try to make sure that we're detail-oriented. We plan. Uh, we prepare as best we can. But... Uh, you know, we all know that we're only a couple seconds away from the next glitch. But, you know, we, like I said, we have a good team here at Delaware Tech that, um, you know, that I'm proud to say is comprised mostly of graduates of our own institution. And, uh, you know, they do, a, they do a, a good job of being, you know, attentive, paying attention to detail and making sure that we uh, understand the needs of our students and our customers and, in this case, besides Delaware. Yeah. All right. Well, I really appreciate you spending time with us. And before we wrap up, do you have any uh, any advice or, or words you give to people that are or maybe like getting started in IT or cybersecurity? You kind of start taking those first steps. Yeah, I think especially you know for prospective students, whether regardless of where they are, what institution that they're uh, uh, they're planning to attend, you know, make sure that they understand what they want to do. But at the same time, don't put a whole lot of pressure on yourself to know exactly what you want to do. I mean, information technology is so broad that you don't have to as an 18, 19, 21-year-old know exactly what your, what your goals ultimately would be. We've had uh, conversations with technology leaders around the state who've said they thought for sure when they began they wanted to be you know, uh, in networks or information security and now they're uh, managers or leaders and you know, they work in programming, they do all sorts of different things. So technology affords a lot of opportunities for young people as well as people transitioning in careers and uh, you know, just be patient with yourself, find out what works for you and you know, like uh, I think Bill Gates said, if you find the right job, you you know, you never work a day in your life. Or somebody else said that, maybe Yogi Berra, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's been a long morning already. It's like deja vu all over again. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> all right, well, you know, you bring up a great point that there's a ton of overlap in between these job positions now that it, you used to have people that would say, I just want to be a developer, and right. that's it. Yeah. But now developers need to understand security, and security professionals need to understand how to, to develop. A sysadmin, as they get wrapped into that, there's all a lot of overlap in those positions. So. We've got to stay agile. We've got to stay ready to learn new things. You got it. All right. Well, I really appreciate you spending time with us. I know our viewers do, too. And so uh, thank you. And, and again, thank you for helping to, to put on this conference, to giving them the space and, and allowing them a, a place to bring in some great speakers and, and create great content. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Thank you. All right. For you guys out there in TV land, I thank you guys for watching. Stay tuned. We've got more interviews from the B-Sides Delaware Conference 2017 coming up. All right. Another great interview. And, and I will say the backdrop though it's just our banner. It looks beautiful, so I assume the venue there was beautiful. But uh, let's switch gears a little bit now, and, and I know you had a chance to talk with one of the sponsors and someone that, that you're personally a really big fan of, and that was Red Hat, so that must have been exciting for you. Yeah, for most of, the, of you guys, if you watch my Linux training that I've done for IT Pro TV, um, you know that I'm a, I'm a Red Hat user. I'm a bit of a Red Hat fanboy. In fact, if you look over my shoulder here, I've got my old copies of Red Hat Linux from way yeah. back in the day that... That are you know back when they used to sell the boxed copies. I, I just I've always liked it. So uh, Red Hat was a sponsor of the event, so I got a chance to talk to to them and 
Jason Callaways, who I actually was speaking with, or who we're going to see the interview here in just a minute. Uh, but it was neat to kind of catch up, and uh, I wanted to, to kind of give people a little bit of background on uh, you know why why I like the product, and and he kind of filled us in on some of the neater features, some of the the features that we might not have heard about, or some things that are upcoming, what we can expect to see in 2018, and you know Red Hat can at first glance appear to be a little slower moving than a lot of other distros because they're focused so much on stability. But he highlighted the Fedora project and other areas where they're moving very, very fast and a lot of neat stuff is rolling down the line. So definitely a cool interview to watch. Yep. So let's go ahead and check that interview out. So here is Don uh, with Jason Calloway from Red Hat. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another IT Pro TV interview coming at you from B-Sides Delaware 2017. I'm Don Pazette, and uh, we had a chance to, to kind of swing by the vendor area and talk to a couple of companies that are here, and I was really pleasantly surprised to see Red Hat with a booth here, and you guys actually sponsored a good bit of stuff, so not, not just not just showing up, but actually participating in, in helping this conference run. And I managed to grab Jason Calloway to come and talk to us a little bit. And before I jump into the meat of the interview, Jason, would you mind introducing yourself to our viewers and telling them a, a little bit about yourself? Yeah, you bet. So my name's Jason Calloway. I'm a solutions architect at Red Hat. And I basically do pre-sales work. I help customers sort of figure out uh, how to use our open source technologies to solve the challenges that they face. Now, Red Hat has a, a pretty big name. Company has been around a long time, very involved in the Linux community. Uh, I believe the largest commercial Linux vendor. Do you know, is that is that true? That is true. Actually, we're the largest open source company. Uh, it's a little bit uh, atypical in that we're a 100% open source company. We don't actually have any proprietary technology, except the things that we've acquired and we're in the process of open sourcing. And yet, at the same time, you know, for being open source, you guys have, have been profitable and, and done a great job in that space. And I think that a lot of people, especially a lot of people in the Linux community, don't necessarily understand exactly how important that is. So I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit, that when people hear about Linux, I, I've heard this from other people before that said, like, why, why would I buy Red Hat software when I can just go and get Debian for free? And uh, can you talk a little bit about the, you know, the importance of what Red Hat brings to the table and, and what you, you do to help make Linux what it is? Certainly. So Red Hat sells support to open source software. So Red Hat Enterprise Linux is what most people know us for, and uh, that's sort of how we became the big company that we are today. Um, so we take uh, that big mass of thousands of upstream open source projects and aggregate it into something useful. And in the case of Linux, our upstream community for that is called Fedora. So the Fedora project produces a Fedora Linux. And then as um, parts of that become stable and mature, we move those into an enterprise support model, which is really all about stability. Um, Red Hat Enterprise Linux has a 10-year uh, support life cycle, which is really extendable to 13. Um, so that really, really helps uh, customers to know that they're going to have a very stable uh, platform that they can build their applications on that's not going to be changing underneath of them, you know, sort of without expecting it. And I, I know I benefit from this personally. But for those of you that have watched some of my training courses, I, I actually I have two laptops. And the one that I use on the show, whenever I do a demonstration for you guys out there, uh, I'm actually running Red Hat Enterprise Linux Workstation Edition on my laptop because I, I need it to be stable. I need to know that things are going to function the same way every time I do a show. But the one on my desk, the one that you guys don't get to see, I run Fedora because that's where I get a chance to, to learn what's new and coming down the line and, and see newer versions of software. And so that that's the model that I use. And I, I've used that at a number of companies that I've worked at as well where when I needed a Linux server, it's not just about having stability, but 
the, the chance to have somebody to call if there's a problem. If mm -hmm. something goes wrong, I need to be able to call somebody and, and get some help. And, and Red Hat has been doing that for a long time. Do you know when, when it all started? Yeah, so we actually started with our distribution of Linux back in 1993. First version uh, was released on Halloween that year, so it's kind of a big deal in the company. Uh, uh, and since then, in 2002, I believe, we released Red Hat Enterprise Linux, which sort of changed the model, where customers uh, subscribed to updates and they got those uh, over the internet. So originally, they connected to uh, Red Hat Network to get that stuff. And then later on, we realized that uh, customers might be behind a firewall or entirely on an air gap network. So we came up with this other uh, product called Satellite. So the idea is that it is like a satellite of Red Hat Network uh, that can be behind your firewall. Um, and uh, you, you just open up like one port, get all of your content through that, uh, that known port, and then you're able to distribute that internally. That also works well in an air-gapped environment where there's no internet connectivity, so you pull down all that channel data and then sneaker net it you know, across the air gap, and then you're able to get that to all of your systems that way too. You know, speaking of satellite, you mentioned that Red Hat Enterprise Linux is what you're really known for, right? That's what most people think of when they think Red Hat. But there's actually a lot more under the Red Hat umbrella. You mentioned acquiring companies, and satellite uh, is an example of one of the other technologies you've got that not, uh, if you're outside of the Red Hat world, you might not know about. There's other technologies like Ceph and uh, and a handful of others. Can you talk about some of the, the, the other areas that we might not be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. So Ceph is one of our software-defined storage products, and it's really great at block storage and at object-based storage, but say you need some file-based storage. We've got another product called GlusterFS. It's really great. So um, both of those are available as like stable enterprise-supported platforms. Um, and uh, they work well with our other technologies. So some of the other things that Red Hat's involved in now, cloud computing, for example, we've got one of the most popular distributions of uh, Red Hat OpenStack platform. We're actually one of routinely the top or um, you know in the top three in terms of contributors to the OpenStack.org upstream. Um, uh, and we often um, just are the, the most bugs closed. Um, sort of a lesser thought of metric, uh, but also important. So Ceph works great with OpenStack uh, as a backend for the Cinder block service. Uh, and Gluster, because it's so useful as a file-based storage solution, works really well with other technologies like OpenShift. So OpenShift is our container management platform, and it can really be thought of as an enterprise distribution of Kubernetes, of the, uh, the scheduling and orchestration framework that supports the Open Container Initiative. I'm glad that you mentioned the most bugs closed part because mm -hmm. uh, it is important to know that you have an active development team that is, is actually paid to work and develop Linux versus a lot of other environments where you're, you're kind of relying on the, the good nature of other people or other companies that are investing in it. So, uh, so you actually do see a lot of progress. And, and you guys push all that upstream, right? So if there's a, a kernel bug that you repair, that ends up making it into the Linux kernel that other distros use as well. So really everybody benefits from the work that you do. That's true, and it's the relationship with those upstream projects that is uh, really core to the value proposition for Red Hat. So if you were to look at all of the upstream projects present in all of the media that you get with Red Hat Enterprise Linux, it's more than 2,000 upstream projects. So every one of those projects has its own you know, open source compatible license, a governance model, its code base, um, the uh, uh, the way that you report bugs is going to be different. Um, even just the, the personalities there and the arcana you know, associated with that project, every one of those is going to be different. So having a company that has a presence in those upstreams, that's really able to push those updates 
out there. Um, uh, it's a really big benefit to our customers uh, to have that kind of uh, advocate in their upstream projects. Yeah, I know another thing you guys have done is you've moved into the cloud space, and so there are officially supported uh, RHEL images for AWS. I know you're in Azure as well, and, and more than likely other services. Yeah, we actually have a certified cloud provider uh, um, uh, program. We're in Google Cloud Platform. Um, RHEL is available, you know, just about everywhere now, and many of our technologies, you know, really enable that. So OpenShift, back to that for example. Because it uses containerization, which is not like virtualization, it's really namespaces, application namespaces. That runs anywhere that RHEL will run. So that means you can have the same platform running on Amazon Web Services, on Google Cloud Platform, on Azure, even in your own data center, and you're going to have that same platform underneath of it. So when you're developing your application, you don't have to worry about those idiosyncrasies for each one of those platforms. You just develop for OpenShift, for Kubernetes, and then you're good to deploy anywhere. Yeah, and, and that's that's something that's changed not not all too long ago because I know Red Hat was involved in LXC a bit. I mean, really, it came from uh, Canonical and and Red Hat, I believe, together, if I remember right. Uh, but you since shifted, and and I think a lot of people have the different technologies that keep coming out. But containers are pretty much the way of the future. That is how most people are deploying technologies. Uh, how, how's that changing the way that you guys develop uh, as far as like uh, RHEL server? Is that making a, a change there? Oh yeah, absolutely. And that that's being uh, very much rolled into sort of the architecture of the next version of RHEL that will come out. But containers have been around for a long time. Um, really, arguably, IBM like mainframe partitions could have been the first form of containerization. Uh, and then BSD jails, you know, were probably the earliest version that uh, people are familiar with now. Solaris had zones. You had LXC containers. Actually, Open, uh, OpenShift version 2 and earlier used our own, not proprietary, but our own unique form of, con of containerization. We called it Gears. Uh, and it was very similar to how Docker containers work now. Um, but uh, it just didn't have the critical mass that Docker and that the Open Container Initiative really has now. And that's what's changed, the fact that everybody is standardizing on the Open Container image format and on that runtime that containers become really important. Now I know in the Fedora space there's actually a, a distribution of Fedora called Fedora Atomic mm -hmm. that is designed specifically for container hosting. Are we going to see that make it into the, the RHEL world eventually? I know it takes time for that technology to be vetted and, and proven stable. Is that, that coming down the road? Absolutely. It's actually already there. So uh, Project Atomic um, has sort of a, a RHEL analog, which is a container-optimized version of RHEL. So uh, basically, it's minimized down to run really only three services. So etcd, because the file system itself using RPM OS tree um, basically becomes immutable between updates. So you pull down like a whole new version of the OS tree every time uh, you update. And then everything gets run inside a container. So it's got um, system or uh, 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 the, the open container runtime uh, and also um, uh, the service management facility. Um, and those are basically the only three services that run. Uh, and everything else runs in a container. So if you want to run uh, uh, CronyD, like the NTP uh, server that's shipped, that runs in a container. And uh, you have to give it extra privileges to be able to modify the system clock. So in that respect, um, you know the, the underlying operating systems that we're familiar with for um, uh, uh, in Linux world are going to be very different um, uh, as a result of you know, the sort of uh, evolution with containers. 
Awesome. Now, I, I could probably talk about RHEL all day because you know, I, I use it myself. I, I've used it in, in many production environments. Mm -hmm. But you guys are here promoting some security initiatives mm -hmm. that are going on at Red Hat. Tell me a little bit about that. Absolutely. So we're here to talk about our Fedora Red team. So that's a special interest group in the Fedora project. And that's where we're focusing on all of our cybersecurity offensive and defensive tooling. So we're actually showing a demo uh, over on the laptop on loop uh, for a thing that we have called the Enterprise Linux Exploit Mapper, or Elem. Uh, that was written by my colleague Ken Evanson. It's a really great tool that lets you map uh, vulnerabilities on a RHEL box to known exploits out in the wild. Uh, and we're going through the process of testing these exploits for ease of use and efficacy. We're calling that process curation. So using Elm, you can identify what vulnerabilities do I have on the system, which ones have exploits that can leverage those vulnerabilities, and how well are they going to work. Now that's useful for both um, offensive and defensive roles. Uh, in a penetration testing context, uh, after you get a shell on a system, you pip install Elm into a Python virtual environment, which makes it very easy to clean up when you're done. And then you can see what sort of vulnerabilities on here can I get a privilege elevation going with. From a defensive perspective, uh, it's very useful to be able to go to your management to get that all-important downtime to patch. When you're able to say, uh, hey guys, we've got three vulnerabilities with known exploits out there in the wild that any Yahoo can use to uh, come pop root on our box, it makes it a lot more urgent to get that downtime to patch. Absolutely. Now, is that tool available already, or is that coming soon? That's available now in beta. Um, that's uh, If you just Google Fedora Red Team, it's uh, the first thing that'll show up. This is all on GitHub. It's all free and open source. It's a community-based thing. Uh, we have another project called the Fedora Cyber Test Lab. This is the open source world's implementation of what's being done with the uh, Cyber Independent Test Lab. So this is an effort to gauge risk uh, using uh, software based on um, static and dynamic analysis of binaries. The idea being, how much effort would it take to find a new vulnerability in this given binary if we were to try to do so? Um, and the work the cyber ITL is doing is amazing, uh, but we wanted there to be an open source way for people to uh, test their own software before it goes out to production. Potentially, you could even put this tool in your Jenkins pipeline so that um, before it, uh, you do that push to production, if you find that the risk is gauged to be too high, say, no, we're going to take another look at this before we actually push. That's really an alpha right now. We have some results posted for Fedora 26. Um, but like I said, it's alpha and buggy, so we're working on uh, improving that. Boy, that'll be pretty awesome when it rolls out, though, because I know developers sometimes take, take some shortcuts during development, and they go and push out, and if you can have that running dynamically as, as a part of that process flow, that, that'll be really impressive stuff. Well, you know, it's, it's not just uh, a matter of um, whether or not the developer is thinking about security when they're building it. It can also be just down to the build environment. Um, one of the things that um, Mudge and Sarah Zatko found uh, with the Cyber ITL was that some, some uh, packages that were built uh, using code that had been reviewed and was fine were just built on an old RHEL 4 build host. Back then, GCC didn't have any of the modern enhancements that it has now around stack protection or ASLR. So um, even though the developers didn't do anything wrong, it was just built in uh, an unsafe way. So this is the sort of thing that that can catch. Well, now we've been talking about uh, you know RHEL, a few of the other products that are out there. We talked about cybersecurity. Uh, are there any other initiatives or, or things coming down the line from Red Hat this year that we need to be aware of? 
Well, um, I don't know about initiatives, but certainly products. Uh, one thing that would definitely be of interest to folks here at B-Sides uh, is Ansible. That's our automation and uh, CM framework. Written in Python, you write your playbooks in YAML. They're very, very easy to understand. Uh, in fact, whenever I'm teaching Ansible, I love to grab the, like, the manager in the audience, the least technical person there, and say, hey, um, read through this with me line by line. What do you think it does? And they get it right. It's very easy to understand, which means it's going to be cheap to maintain. You know, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed that I forgot to mention Ansible because it is such a, uh, a buzzword, right? I mean, everybody is jumping on the Ansible train because it makes doing that consistent deployment so uh, consistent. <laughs> but, uh, but it is a big technology. And, and you guys acquired Ansible a, a while ago now, right? It's been a few years? Yeah, it's been a few years. Yep, we've actually gone through the process of open sourcing uh, Ansible Tower. So that is itself now um, an open source project called AWX. Um, so it's very exciting. Uh, basically, everybody that I work with uh, already uses Ansible. Um, there are just so many modules available out there, out there now. Um, it's, uh, it's really something that you should check out. Yeah, I was just having a conversation the other day with Justin, who's one of our, our developers, and he, uh, uh, he was saying how Chef and Puppet, how they were always so intimidating, so difficult to stand up and challenging, and Ansible works to solve a lot of that, which is why we're seeing such a good uptake on it. And yeah. you know, another highlight of the things that, that Red Hat brings to the table. So, uh, do we have anything else we wanted to mention? No, just thank you very much for the opportunity to talk. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, it was great talking to you, and thank you for what you guys do in the community. Uh, I know everybody appreciates it. I certainly do, and I'm sure most of our viewers do as well. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up this interview, but stay tuned because we have more coming at you from B-Sides Delaware 2017. All right, another cool interview there, and I know we're, we're hoping to get them maybe down here, film some content at some point. That would be great to see them here. Yeah, you know, we talked about doing some, like, workshops or how-tos, some of the neater things. Some of these technologies that are coming out, you know, Ansible, so big, and OpenShift, that uh, they're very complex and kind of intimidating. So to hopefully create some content just to help people get their feet wet and start to, to see what it's like to deploy those technologies or, or to support them. Cool. Well, I know we've got, uh, we had an opportunity to talk with a bunch of the speakers um, from B-Size Delaware as well, but kind of out of time for this episode, so we're going to go ahead and save that for part two and, uh, and let you guys uh, really enjoy those. So for now, we're going to wrap it up, but be sure to subscribe to the podcast here if you haven't done so already. Um, review it if you like it, and if you don't like it, just keep that to yourself, please. And uh, <laughs> feel free to uh, share it with your friends uh, either way, I guess, and, and maybe they'll come and form their own opinions. But uh, So thank you very much, Don. Thanks for going all the way up to Delaware. and uh, Yeah, it was a, a lot of fun. Thanks to all the staff out there at uh, B-Sides and at Dell Tech. I'm sure you're happy to be back in Florida where it is, uh, I think, 72 degrees today and yeah. sunny. So. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching, and we will see you guys next time on the IT Pro TV podcast.